I do want to thank those of you who prayed for the group that were at Falls Creek this week. We, we had a, a tremendous week. Uh, I was the camp pastor for the week, and so I got to preach each and every evening to uh, the crowd at Falls Creek. There were uh, just under 5,000 who registered for the week of camp and with guests that were on grounds each evening, a, a little more than 5,000 in the evening worship service each night, which was uh, an incredible thing to preach to that many and, and many more online. And I know many of you mentioned that you joined online this week, and we're grateful for that. Uh, I'll follow up to what Brad reported to give you a rundown of the decisions before we dismiss everybody for Kids Crew. Uh, I'll, I'll say this so that the, even those who are going to Kids Crew can hear that there were, uh, in our own group, as he mentioned, five who trusted Christ the Savior this week. Total on grounds, there were 200 professions of faith. There were five who, uh, who made a decision for assurance of their salvation, 133 that recommitted their lives to Christ, 33 that came forward to uh, make some form of commitment, uh, in, in many cases saying that they, they wanted to be obedient in baptism, and another 31 that surrendered to ministry. That was 402 total decisions recorded at camp this last week. And so an amazing thing that we saw God move. Yeah. It was a fantastic week, and we appreciate all your prayers for the group that went. All right, we're going to dismiss our children now who are headed upstairs along with our leaders to be in kids' crew. This is a time of worship designed specifically for them. We're studying through the fruit of the Spirit on Sunday mornings. And so this morning we come to the fruit of faithfulness. Of course, we find the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, where we see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, Paul writes to the churches in Galatia. And uh, this morning we want to focus specifically on the word faithfulness, the fruit of faithfulness. In our Sunday school departments this morning, if you were a part of Sunday school and, and as we're working through the fruit of the Spirit, the focus text was from James chapter 2. And even this morning for, for my sermon, I want to focus specifically on James chapter 2 verse 26. We're not going to rehash all of James 2 because we, we studied that together in Sunday school this morning and, and a, a great time of study and fellowship together around the Word understanding how faith is to motivate us to live in obedience and in response to all that the Lord has done for us. But particularly in James chapter 2, verse 26, we see this. James writes, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. In other words, that faith without something to show for it isn't isn't real faith. It, it's dead to use the word that James uses here. When faith is real, when faith is genuine, there will be evidence of that faith. There will be something to show for that faith. We, we know that good works will never save us. And that's really a, a part of the context of James chapter 2 here. It would be easy if you just read James and you didn't consider chapter 2 in the context of the letter as a whole or even in the context of the, the rest of 
the teaching of the New Testament, to, to read James chapter 2, certain portions of it, and think, okay, well, then I've got to do good things in order to have genuine faith. But actually, the argument that James is making is that it's because of genuine faith that we can do good works. It's because of genuine faith that we can walk in the good works that we have been created for. Good works, the good things that we do, will never produce genuine faith. But genuine faith will always produce good works in our lives. And that's the point that I want us to focus on this morning. It's the good works. That's what it means to be faithful. It's to, to do those things. So one of my favorite quotes for uh, preachers of the gospel is from a, a man who lived, a, a Moravian uh, missionary that lived in, in Central Europe in the 16th century. His name was Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Okay, what a, what a name for, right? Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. And the quote goes like this, that, that he would tell his disciples, his followers, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. What a great encouragement, right? Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. But the point is, that it's not our job to gain followers. It's not our job to gain an audience. It's not our job to be famous. Our job is to be faithful and to let Jesus be famous. Our job is not to make much of ourselves or draw attention to ourselves, but rather our job is to shine the spotlight on Jesus and to point others toward faith in Christ, that, we would, that it would be enough for us to be faithful to the gospel and reach the end of our days and, and go to our grave knowing that I did everything I could for the sake of Christ. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. This week was, in so many ways for me, as a, a preacher, a surreal moment. I mean, truly a once-in-a-lifetime type thing, to preach at False Creek, to preach to thousands at False Creek. And as incredible as it was, I'll be honest with you, uh, in, it, was, it was surreal. But in a lot of ways, I, I, I had people that, that, I had, that I had asked to hold me accountable all week, like, help me remember that this is nothing in the greater picture of things if I make it about me. That this isn't worth anything if, if somehow what people walk away and they remember from False Creek is Michael. And so for a week, and, and many of you have grown up at False Creek and you know how False Creek goes. For a week, I was False Creek famous, right? I mean, I was. Um, the truth of the matter is I could go back to camp tomorrow and nobody would know who I was uh, because I'm not the preacher for week seven. I was the preacher week six. But for week six at Falls Creek, I was Falls Creek famous. In that little bubble, I, you know, they give you a golf cart and your face is on the big screens and everywhere you go. And, you know, it's special. It's a special thing. But at the end of the week, if all I did was impress people with my goal, then it's for nothing. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Because our goal is not to be famous. The goal is to be faithful and to point to Jesus and to shine the spotlight on Jesus. And this morning, as we think about this text, I think that we need to be reminded, each and every one of us, that we have a calling to, to make much of Jesus, to make Jesus famous. Now, not everyone in the room gets to preach and stand on a stage and have a pulpit, but every one of us is called to proclaim Christ. Every one of us is called to share Jesus with others. Every one of us has the command given to us in Scripture that we would make much of our Savior by pointing to Him. How do we do that? Well, we do that with our works. 
Which is why it's so important for us to understand that faith apart from works, or in other words, faith that doesn't show itself somehow in the things that we do, is dead. Genuine faith will always produce good works. And so I want us to see what it means to be faithful today. Think about that word even for just a moment, the word faithful. To be faithful, I want us to see, means that we need to be full of faith. And that's kind of a, a simple definition of what it means to be faithful, but I think it rings true in so many ways. To be faithful means that we would be full of faith, that our lives would be centered upon faith, that our, our devotion would be, would be geared toward faithfulness, toward having faith that shows up in every area of our lives, faith that, that fills us to the, to the utmost, and faith that spills out so that what people see when they look at you, what they see when they look at me, is a servant of Christ, a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus, who's not perfect, because none of us will be perfect. And in fact, perfection is not on the list of the fruit of the Spirit, because we can't be perfect, but we can be faithful. And so in order for us to be faithful, we want to strive to be full of faith. Well, I want to give us four things this morning that I think we need to do in order to be full of of faith. The first one is this, that to be full of faith, you must trust in Jesus by faith. Now that seems almost a, a little redundant, doesn't it? To be full of faith, you have to trust Jesus by faith. But what I mean to say here is that the foundation of faithfulness is faith in Christ. The foundation of faithfulness is turning from our sins to Jesus in faith, calling on him as Savior and Lord, surrendering our lives to him by confessing him as Lord and Savior. The only way that we can be faithful is if we have placed our faith and our trust fully in Jesus. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you've trusted Jesus by faith? A moment when you have recognized the reality of your sinfulness, turned from your sin to Jesus as Savior, confessed Him as Savior and Lord. See, apart from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we receive by faith in Jesus, we will never be able to be truly faithful. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And I love how he puts this. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. None of us dare stand before God and brag on our rap sheet, right? The record of the right things that we've done versus the, the wrong that we've done. If there were some uh, cosmic scale of goodness, no matter how much we could add to the scales of good, it would always be outbalanced by our, the weight of our sin and our brokenness. You see, our hope in faithfulness is not found in trying harder, being better, working more. Our hope is found in surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that we would trust him by faith in order that we might be found full of faith. To be full of faith, you must trust Jesus by faith. Second thing I want us to see is in order to be full of faith, you must hope in the promises of Jesus. You must hope in his promises. 
that we would anchor our lives to those promises. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews gives us this definition of faith. He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things that we don't see, that we hope for, but we don't see. In order to be full of faith, we have to have that assurance of what we hope for. Where does that come from? Well, it it comes from the, the very thing that we are trusting in, the very thing that our hopes are attached to, the very thing that we have anchored that hope to. If your hopes and your dreams are anchored to, to you, to your own works, to your own effort, then sadly you will always come up short. But when you tether those hopes and those dreams to Jesus, though we face difficulty and hardship, though we go through trials, There are the mountains and the valleys that we all are familiar with. We will never be disappointed. And I mean that in an ultimate sense. We'll never be disappointed because faith will carry us in those moments. We must hope in the promises of Jesus. The song that we sang this morning, uh, the the last song that we sang, Yes and Amen. I, I love that song because in the bridge section we sing, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. That's what it means to trust in the promise of Jesus, that we place our confidence in his faithfulness so that even though we we understand and we know that we we will fall short, we will stumble and we will sin, at the end of the day, our confidence is not in ourselves. It's not in our abilities. It's in the one who has saved us, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. You can look that up. Even when we are faithless, he'll remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. He, won't, he will remain faithful because his faithfulness is not tethered to us. It's not anchored on our abilities, but on his ability. And so we make it our hope and our dream to trust in his promises, to find our our confidence in his faithfulness to us. So to be full of faith, we, we must hope in the promises of Jesus. Third, we see that to be full of faith, you must advance the gospel. Now, in, in a lot of ways, this is where this is where for many of us things really begin to get hard. Because I think if we were to somehow, if I could put together a spiritual survey around this morning's sermon points, I think that many in the room would say, yes, I have trusted Jesus by faith. Perhaps not everyone. And even during our time of response in a few moments, we'll, we'll have the opportunity for you to surrender your life to Jesus today. And if you've never trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins and, and confessed him as Savior and Lord, then I pray that today would be the day that you would trust in Jesus by faith. And everyone who has trusted in Jesus by faith... I think at least understands in part, maybe not fully, but in part, we understand that it's Jesus that we hope in because we've come to him by faith. We've confessed our sins. We've turned from our sins. We've turned from ourselves. We've turned to Jesus. And, and although practically speaking, that, that's, that's easier said than done. I, I mean, believing fully in the assurance of his promises, hoping fully in the assurance of his promises, not living with an- anxiety and not living with fear and doubt and worry. I mean, that's, 
that's easier said than done, but we know at least intellectually that that's how we ought to live. But yet when we get to this point, this is really where it begins to, the wheels begin to come off for some of us. This is where our faithfulness begins to wane, is because we struggle with the idea of advancing the gospel. Again, not in principle, not in, not in ide- ideological terms, not in the sense of under, but I mean in, in the way that we live day to day. That we struggle with fixing our lives to the mission of kingdom advance. And to be real, life gets in the way of that too. There's a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache and a lot of worry and stress and things that we face. And it's hard to remain focused on sharing Christ when sometimes we're just in survival mode. Paul experienced hardship as well. And he writes to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1. In the midst of his hardships, nonetheless, he writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What a great reminder to us that even in the face of our most difficult, our most trying days, if we will seek to honor Jesus, to put him first, to be full of faith, even our hardships can serve to advance the gospel. As people look at us and they see us enduring trials, enduring struggles, and they find that even in that, our faith holds strong. They find that the, the words that roll off of our lips are giving praise to Jesus, that, that the, the desire of our lives is to not to get all the attention and, and the praise ourselves, but to shine the spotlight on Jesus. To be full of faith, we must advance the gospel. My prayer is this morning that you would be challenged, you would be yeah, you would be encouraged to live a life that will advance the gospel. There are a lot of ways that we can do that, okay? The most obvious, the, the most, uh, the, the low-hanging fruit, if you will, when we think about what it means to advance the gospel, is sharing Jesus with others, witnessing, being, being an active witness that we would proclaim the gospel of Jesus, that we would share Christ with others, that we would share our testimony of what he's done in our hearts and our lives, that, that, we, would, that we would make that our regular practice. But it's, it's not only in sharing Christ with our words, but it's in living a life of faithfulness, of obedience, of consistency, of integrity in all situations, in all seasons that we live as a witness to the gospel as well so that we advance the gospel both with our words, with our actions so that others would see Jesus in us. And I can look around the room and I can point to so many examples of, of ways that I've seen you walk with Christ in the midst of hardship, ways that I've seen you remain faithful in the midst of the lowest of lows, And I think that's what it means to really advance the gospel, is that even when my heart is broken, even when I'm experiencing uh, personal cost, even when I'm struggling with pain, even when I'm wrestling with fear and worry and stress, that I want to make much of Jesus. To be full of faith, we must advance the gospel. We must shine the light of Christ into the darkness. 
Finally, we see that to be full of faith, you must obey the word of God. First John chapter 5, verse 3, John writes, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then an encouragement, because he says, And his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. We show our love for God by obeying his commands. To be faithful to him, we, we walk in obedience. And the good news is that his commands are not burdensome. Jesus himself was the one who said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, when he says that, Jesus is referring to He's referring to the the idea of the teaching that a rabbi would put on his followers. That that teaching would be known as the yoke. Of course, the picture there, metaphorically, is of the yoke that would be placed on on oxen or or team animals as they're they're pulling a plow or, or something of that nature, right? But metaphorically, in Jesus' day, rabbis would refer to their teaching as their yoke. And Jesus' followers would refer to him as rabbi. And Jesus says, take my yoke, take my teaching, take my burden upon you and follow me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. In other words, he's not trying to weigh us down with a weight that we can't carry. Rather, he has lifted the weight from us through his work on the cross in order that we might live in faithfulness and obedience to him. And so we prove, we demonstrate our love for God by keeping his commandments, by obeying. I have said before, I I say, I feel like I say this in in various ways, in various contexts often, but that in in terms of uh, practical uh, living examples, we see faithfulness most often in obedience. Faithfulness looks like obedience. You want to know if someone is faithful, then we look at how they're living and we look for evidences of obedience. We look for ways that they're obeying what the scripture teaches, that we're walking in obedience to the commands of the Bible. Well, if we're going to do that, then we have to be students of the word, don't we? We have to know what the word says. We have to study the word. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to have an active devotional life that we would seek to know what the Bible teaches and to live it out in humble obedience. And yet that's where the faithfulness that we're all striving for, the faithfulness that we're called to, that's where it shows up in our lives. Will we, will we be obedient day in and day out? Will we recognize the destructive nature of sin and turn from our sin and turn to Jesus? Will we confess our sins? Will we seek to, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, take every thought captive for the sake of Christ? Will we try to live the kind of lives of integrity where our faith is integrated fully into every area of our lives? To be full of faith, you must obey the word of God. On your own, you cannot obey the word of God. On your own, you are hopeless and yet through faith in Jesus and with the indwelling power of his Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Ephesians 1 verses 19 and 20 tell us, is alive in us through faith in Jesus. And so as we trust in Jesus 
And we're going to dwell with his Holy Spirit. Now we have the Spirit of God in us, empowering us, enabling us to live in faithfulness and obedience to the command of Christ. To be full of faith, you must trust in Jesus by faith. To be full of faith, you must hope fully in the promise of Jesus. To be full of faith, we have to advance the gospel. And to be full of faith, we must obey the word of God. My prayer for you, my prayer for my own life, is that we would be full of faith. In a moment, we're going to move into a time of invitation, a time of response. And in our time of invitation today, I want to challenge you that if God is speaking to you this morning, if he's, if he's calling you to faithfulness, he's calling you to obedience, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and, and there's something in your life that you know you need to surrender to the Lord, an area of your heart in your life that you know that you need to confess to him, something that you need to, you need to own up to. Lord, I've done this. I have this attitude. I'm, I'm, this sin in my life, it's wrong. Lord, I confess it. I want to turn from it then I would challenge you that you would use this time of response this morning to to make that right with the Lord. And even as we sing this song, our altar will be open here. The steps to this stage, an altar, a place where you can come and you can fall on your knees and you can meet with the Lord this morning. And if if he's calling you to surrender, if he's calling you into obedience, then I would challenge you this morning that you would respond by saying, Lord, I want to surrender to you. I want to be found faithful. I want to be full of faith as I surrender this area of my life to you. Maybe for you, today you just need to surrender your life to Jesus. The first step in faithfulness is to find faith. The first step in walking in faith is to surrender to Jesus by faith because you've never confessed your sins, trusted him as Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, And even as we sing the song of invitation in a moment, Brad will be standing here at the front. He would love nothing more than to pray with you a prayer of commitment that you would turn from your sin and turn toward Jesus as Savior, trusting him for the forgiveness of your sin, making him the the Lord, the Savior of your life. However God may be stirring and moving in your life today, I want to challenge you to respond in obedience, to say yes to him, to offer him your yes, to say, Lord, I understand that in order to be faithful to you, I need to be obedient. And so I want to be obedient. Give him your yes this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And as I pray for us, I'm going to pray even specifically that God would stir our hearts toward obedience this morning as we seek to honor him by surrendering our lives to him. So Lord Jesus, this morning, we we come to you turning from our sin, turning to you in faith. Lord Jesus, this morning, I pray that you would stir our hearts toward obedience. Lead us to trust you fully. Convict us to turn away from sin. Show us what it means to surrender our hearts and our lives to you by by, by calling us, by leading us to that moment of surrender, that moment of salvation. Holy Spirit, move in our lives, in our midst, 
we might be found faithful, full of faith. We trust in you. And all this we pray in your name. Amen.